0: Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Good day and welcome to today's episode of Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. Today we chat to Ramiza Abdul, ex-Facebook Africa ambassador who has been in the digital performance and marketing space for a decade. Her passion lies in helping entrepreneurs in the fashion retail sectors with digital skills to scale their businesses. Before we listen to the episode, please remember to subscribe and share. Happy listening. Good morning, Ramiza. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Maybe let's start off by telling us more about who you are and what does it mean to be a digital strategist in 2020?
1: Thank you, firstly, for having me. I'm very excited to be doing this with you. What does it mean to be a digital strategist? Wow. Well, firstly, okay, I'm Rumi Zab. I'm a digital media strategist. I like to think of myself as a humanist and a life strategist, really. I look at behavior uh, online and just behavioral trends, triggers, patterns. And, you know, we then map out kind of a user journey uh, along different platforms and different um, channels, media channels online, where people's, most of their attention is held and where we then uh, are able to reach them for the brands and and companies we work for. So that's, that's the digital strategy role, I guess, in a, in a nutshell. That's excluding all the auxiliary noise that comes with it and the people politics and bureaucracies. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's another conversation. But, um, oh, another podcast, right? <laughs> and uh, in 2020, what that means? Gosh, it means that we're basically, everybody's now a digital marketing strategist and a digital marketer. And uh, there's been this explosion overnight of um, social media strategists and digital entrepreneurs and marketers. And so it's uh, a, <clears throat> it's a, it's a, far more cluttered space in 2020 for sure with a lot of people that have just entered it and, have you know, it's not also higher grade, I guess, if you're taking like, you know, your online courses and uh, there's so many open source learning programs that you can um, enroll with and and subscribe to, to learn how to kind of set up stuff. But I think there's a bigger uh, strategic role that's around which, cannot actually be taught and uh, I think you know there's that's that's the that's the strategist role and I don't think everyone is a strategist um I think you get a lot of people that are able to execute a strategy or an implementation plan um but in terms of strategy holistically I think that's something innate in a person uh you either have the natural curiosity and uh, you have the foresight and then able to envision and see further than now, or or you don't. So that's that's where we are in twenty twenty. <laughs> in terms of me, you know, I've I've played many hats, uh, worn many hats, and played many roles. I uh, I started in publisher uh, when I was very young, like twenty twenty one, and I was in the ad sales team of then uh, avusa it's now times media but uh, i was in ad operations and stuff and i've worked at all the pretty large uh, agencies in, in the continent or in the world advertising agencies uh, digital agencies media corporations or agencies which are all different um you know i think i think a lot of people assume the ad world is this 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 creative hub and uh, the ad world actually has many different faces and interfaces and doors which you can enter through for me I didn't choose media I chose me I honestly didn't study it I didn't pursue it it was not something I groomed for Uh, everything that I've done up to this day has been just learning from hands-on experience on the job over the last 11 years so what, what that looks like for today, I'm not sure. I don't, apparently, there are courses and things now <laughs> that teach people how to do the job and role of a digital strategist, let alone a digital media strategist. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the context of where we're at.
0: Yeah, look, that's very exciting. And I agree with you that there's certain things that you can only learn once you actually hit the ground running and gain that experience over the years. And that Mm -hmm. also comes through in your work, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So digital, obviously, being a digital strategist, part of that also includes some influencer marketing that you Mm -hmm. obviously need to plan for in certain campaigns and things. So when you actually hear that phrase, influencer marketing, what is the first thing that pops into your head?
1: So (laughs) I honestly believe that it's all marketing, right? We just like to wrap it up as different things because that's marketing. We take the same thing and we sell it to a different audience because we wrap it up and have a different communication strategy for it. It's all marketing. Influencer marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing—it's all. This, we're all doing the same thing, which is we're communicating a certain service or a value proposition to someone that might be interested, or someone that is that is you know uh, that has that potential to you know convert or become an advocate for that brand. So, influencer marketing for me. I think is just word of mouth, really. That's been amplified due to the tools that we have and, and because of the platforms that we have, and it's just been democratized. So instead of it's also it's also celebrity, the the concept or at least the theory of celebrity that's been democratized and uh, been been made able and possible. Via our cell phones and the acceleration of technology, so that's my absolutely. take on in influencer marketing.
0: <laughs> no, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. I think we all in the industry is in the marketing space. It's just different forms and different packaging of certain communications to reach people on different platforms. And I think that is absolutely right.
1: Mm-hmm. And um. How we reach them, I mean, that's you know we've got these channels, but then it's the the how we communicate with them is where you get obviously your different kinds of influences that you would work with, and that's for me is is more around well, how do we want to speak to them, what kind of uh, conversation do we want to be having with them, and and I guess yeah, it just tears around. It's it's what has been interesting to see over the years is uh, how. This, this kind of return on investment around it and that whole conversation and how much budget should be allocated to it and how we then incorporate it. Like does the, you know, from influencer strategies being kind of this like byproduct where we just added in because we needed social content to there being a bigger strategy around actually the concept starts with there being some kind of mechanic with influencers or picking up on something that's happening. In the market, and driving that further by using voices or influencer voices, you know, that are are points of influence essentially. Like but that too, you know, and like the the whole this whole the, the use of the word influence, you know, I think is so double edged. We we kind of are, oh, cool. Everyone wants to be an influencer, like it's an in, like it's some new career at the moment that you pursue. And everybody's trying to build it at some point and, and, and trying to do that. But, you know, we've also got to take a step back and go, well, what do you actually define as influence? You know? Yeah. Because I feel like we are starting, we've commoditized what influence actually is. And that's happened also just with the social is that followers now give you clout. And for some reason that's seen as some form of influence. When we both know that's not true, because hello, if it was, you wouldn't have the success of nano and micro
0: influencers. 100%. We are constantly telling clients who still get stars in their eyes when they see follower counts. We're like, that means absolutely nothing. Hmm. It depends on are they active followers? Are they actually engaging with this person? Are they having conversations with them? Is it the right kind of conversations are the sentiment there what are they talking about those things are far more important than
1: looking at your follower count and the people who are listening to their conversations or consuming the the stuff that they create and the content they create are they actually in the mindset and in the realm and of the affinity of what we are speaking about or are they just people who like to see this person in a nice photo shoot
0: 100 percent um a while ago Probably years ago now, there was a brand which I won't name who thought um, their campaign was so successful and they used quite a big macro influences and they were just getting all these likes and shares and stuff and engagement. And I looked at it and I was like, but you used um, people, A, that's not in like your industry. So the audiences they speak to is not really your target market. And secondly, when you went through the comments, all the comments was about how amazing these influencers looked in their in their dresses, and mm-hmm. it was nothing to do with the content or the conversation they were trying to have.
1: Exactly. So I
0: think there's a huge education that's still needed around what what is successful for for influencer campaigns, and that also depends on what you want it want yeah. it to be.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because we're in this like instant gratification, get rich quick kind of culture. You know, everything's on the go, fast, 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 now, now, now. And yeah. as long as you've got that, and you've got the hype, and you've got the, nothing, no one's really looking at the at the deeper details. And um, our our sense of where we place value and how we quantify value has has drastically changed.
0: And I do think it's up to to people in the industry to start educating clients more on that not just at face value. And I think that comes back to what you said earlier. Everyone's a strategist these days. They go, okay, cool. I'll get you some macro influences. Here's your budget and I'll get you 50,000 likes. But if that's not what you want out of a campaign or if that's not the metric you want to measure, that means absolutely nothing. And you need to think a bit more of what the communication should be. Where's your target market spending time? Will this resonate with them? Is your influencer relevant to them? All of those things need to be actually taken
1: into account, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that differentiation between whether you're like um, your strengths are like more executional, or whether you mm. or you have the the longer term, you know, picture in mind. And I think that that's also so fundamentally key to the strategic thinking of, of, of anything really. It's looking Absolutely. further than now. You know, this nearsightedness and reactive, reactive, reactive because, oh, Bucks was in this ad, and so now he's looking great. Okay, cool. We, he's a buzz. Now we need to get him here. We need to get this guy here. And it's very reactive. And, oh, so that brand's now got this influencer. So we need to also find mm-hmm. that very reactive, nearsighted thinking when it's just about cool, do, 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 execution, execution. And while execution is absolutely fundamental, don't get me wrong, you cannot have execution of thinking when you're thinking on a bigger term. Longer term partnerships and where you start seeding your brand conversations into the market, but you know, I think I think as much as we say there's this, this educational job, I think it's also important that we're never going to stop learning. There's, or there's always going to be an educational job to do. There will always be that.
0: That is so true. Like things are changing every single day in our space, and we need to keep reading, keep watching. Keep learning. You can't just be
1: stagnant. At some point, yeah. I mean, as the, the you know wisest is he who knows he does not know, right? So absolutely, you have to be. You have to be the the eternal student. That you know, you can never get to a point where you go, "Cool, I've mastered this and I've I've got it right." It's like you know, when you get asked, like, "Okay, well, what's the one of the best campaigns?" Or you know, it really isn't because there's always it changes in real time. Um, True. And and we're never done. We're never done learning, and you're never sitting at you never. There's never going to be that moment where you're sitting and going, shit. I'm at the top of my game, and I know it now. I've got it. I'm done. Like I'm good. Oh yeah. And I that's hope you have top. that moment. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what you're right. Doing. Right.
0: So Raz, when you kind of cast your mind back to the decade that's been, mm-hmm. when did you kind of first become aware of this thing called influencer marketing?
1: Like, can you remember that? I Think that when it started, kind of being put more on my radar was when the bank started because I worked on financial services. As you know, we worked on that together. Um, we did, and and when I started seeing it come into that realm, that's when I was like, okay, okay, cool. This is this is a new. It is an entirely new channel, and and uh, I think. The good thing is that there were some really impactful campaigns that were run from that because initially it started becoming just like a very like wanting to be seen. So if you working with this brand and wanting, it just was, I couldn't understand, you know, how one post was going to really do justice to anything and make this huge hype. And then when it started turning into, into movements, that's when I was like, okay, now this is this is where it's at. This is what I want to do. So I think probably what stuck out for me was the hashtag today campaign that we ran with Donald Bank a while ago where it was literally just getting lots of different influences and in different um, sort of fields and, and different uh, audiences to unify and make a pledge on doing something that day. That was gonna mm. change, or would be added towards setting setting their dreams uh, into into fruition. So, I think it then spurred on, and and you know there was something that wasn't it wasn't about the influence; it was mm. about a movement and about them using their voice and amongst an audience that resonated with them that had also that that same human that intrinsic. Drive of wanting to achieve something bigger. So, I think that's where uh, that kind of stuck out for me. And when I started thinking, okay, cool, this actually is an incredibly powerful tool if done really well.
0: And I think, yeah, you again have just said something so important that a lot of the times these campaigns are more about the influencer than the actual brand they're working with and a lot of the time it's very superficial things it's just mm-hmm. like here's a cute picture i get 30,000 likes because you know i'm cute it's not yeah. about the conversation it's not about something meaningful behind it right
1: and you can um, see which when, it, when it's set up you can see when it's set up
0: yeah sometimes, sometimes i think if yeah. you yeah if you do it right you should be choosing influences on campaigns that resonate that can create content that fits in with their lifestyle so it doesn't it's really not
1: something look far good. out for them it's like it's not completely bizarre like this is something that they're into exactly. and so it fits into their world exactly
0: so it's kind of natural and even with the new regulations where people have to make it very clear that things are paid for or sponsored those people's audiences don't mind because it's such a natural thing. They are like, wow, this is great. Maybe I need one of these or I would love to have one of these. So that, it, that hashtag shouldn't impact any content, to be honest, if you yeah. have the right people to do it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's, you know, also in terms of, uh, you know, from, from production side of things, it's another route mm-hmm. that people – explore because of the, the the production capacity and budgets so often especially if you partner with influencers who are really great at creating content and at mm. and, you know shooting high quality pieces it's a benefit then as well because that production uh, is then you know part and part and parcel so you're getting the production and the reach at the same time 100%.
0: So what do you think were the big shifts since influencer marketing kind of started in the last decade or so that's kind of made it a legitimate marketing channel now and not just something that people do for like a couple of lipsticks, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I think I think that there was this shift because initially influencers, everyone was trying to be a blogger.
0: The bloggers were like the OGs when influencer marketing started.
1: Yes. Yes. There was the bloggers and then there was like the actual like bloggers who really did have a blog and were writing, <laughs> and, and then you had like all your like aspiring bloggers, which would just be like, great. They go and they have a coffee somewhere and they hashtag it, and now like <laughs> they're reviewing. Oh, so <laughs> I remember this days. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there, um, oh. and um, I think you know there's now where. Influencers have the tools, like you know, your, your paid media as well, where you can put in paid partnership. And measurement is what has really been, it has always been the grey area around influencer mm-hmm. marketing, and and it's where there's all the, the main issues around justifying budgets and stuff around it as well. And, uh, and measurement's definitely been adjusted, and there's been a lot more uh, transparency and understanding how we measure is 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 in a better place. I wouldn't say that it's really there as yet, but it definitely is in a better place because we now have analytics that are able to, to give us a, a clearer idea or at least not even, not 100% clear, but a better understanding of where we're at than before.
0: I agree with that. So in general, do you think... But no, this is a very blanket statement. But do you think we are doing influence marketing in general? Are brands getting it right in South Africa?
1: Yeah, very blanket. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think it's a yes and no. You know, everything's relative. Really, mm-hmm. getting it right is you know relative to 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 you know your full idea and where that brand is in terms of their uh, growth. Within the field and uh, mastery of it, but I think there are some who are getting it right. In terms of, you mm-hmm. can see that it fits with it's a relevant market. It's it's also a high quality. Um, they've got all the right tagging. It fits in line with a bigger, broader media strategy as well. It's not run in an isolated environment as an isolated mm-hmm. campaign. There's, you know, all the supporting channels and you can see that symbiosis happening across the channels in an omni-channel approach. And it isn't just a case of looking at like, great, we're collabing with this name. And and then you can see, you know, where there is this absolute reliance on that name with that influencer. And that's not an influencer marketing strategy. That's a partnership that needs mm. PR, you know, um, so, so I think I think there's there's it's still around and you and 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 you can see where there's that you know that reactive thing of like just because this person's name or this person's had a couple of deals that they've signed up with and they're in a lot of other brand spaces and now like the next brand thinks they need to also jump on that and also be there mm-hmm. and partner with that person and in those cases you can see this is just. It's a reactive strategy of trying to just be wherever you think people are. And I
0: think the operative word is there where you think people are.
1: Yeah. Um, It's not
0: that you've actually done the groundwork to see where they, if those are the people you want to speak to. Hmm. Do you not think, like, I often think when brands do that, like they see the next best big thing and then everyone tries to get a piece of the pie of this person, this big influencer. I always feel like they can get so overexposed that when a really cool campaign comes, that they're not going to be used just purely because you don't want them to see that just on another, on another campaign. And I think that's also part of their responsibility to turn things down. Say this doesn't align with my values, with my target market, with my audience. I'm actually going to be really choosy on what I do. So
1: I don't become overexposed. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think, and that's something you know that isn't an industry thing. That's that's just about personal business integrity. Yeah, it's going well. You know, I'm not going to be at the opening of every envelope just because you're paying, and I'm not going to like. You have to have that because, you know, that there's this whole thing about authenticity and building trust and everything. And I feel like people just hop onto these buzzwords, and you know, if it's not. If you saw my like last one, there's like pivot and then there's authenticity and being authentic and now that's a buzzword and building trust and that's a buzzword. And actually it's like actually no, these aren't these aren't things that you just need to discuss. It's something that you need to practice. That isn't your daily practice. And I've seen it so many times where we were, you know, we we're working with some influence and it's like, wait, guys, like isn't this guy in a he's he's literally the other day posted about some he's with the petrol station. Then he's also with this hair thing. Then he's also with – it's like that, mm. you know, you become this this um, this brand hag, really, and, you know, this – okay, oh, cool, so anyone that pays you will get a feature and you'll be punting their name. So it really makes you wonder, okay, why then do we have marketing managers and stuff that want – to include this person, oh right, of course, because it seems like that's what everyone's on.
0: No, exactly. I actually have nothing to add to that because I honestly feel that <laughs> that's where like, authenticity starts lacking and credibility, right? So audience are going to start being like, okay, this person is really popular, but are they influential? And I think that's two
1: very different things. Exactly. Exactly. This is this is exactly what I was saying was going back to why I, I just feel like the influences. It's been so the word has lost its meaning in some ways because it's just been commoditized, you know, into some kind of get rich quick strategy where you can be a digital nomad and be paid to post things. That's just the idea of it, right? You're paid to post things. There's nothing strategic about it. There's nothing thought out. There's nothing of value. Where exactly you feature the value exchange for it? Mm. You know, it's 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 kind of uh, it's it's lost a bit of that.
0: Yeah, but I do also think the flip side of that is there's a lot of consultants and agencies out there that is really bringing or coming to the table and changing that. Yeah. Um, and we see some amazing things come out using not only influencers, but these people that we now t- uh, term creators because that's what they are. Yes. And using them so right and with the right messaging and there's proper strategy behind it. And you can yes. see it. Like yes. it's it, a huge it. difference.
1: I've definitely, I've noticed it. From from influence marketing being, cool, guys, this is what we're going to do and here's the CE for them and whatnot and we're shooting on this day to here's the whole strategy, here's the creative concept, this is the idea, we're going to invite them there. This is the whole entire mechanic. They're going to get this challenge. This is what's going to happen, what we hope to happen. After that, we're going to use this content and we're going to do this. There's a far more robust thought-out strategy, and that's fantastic.
0: And how exciting as well, because you can see the bigger picture
1: being (laughs) played out. (laughs) Yeah, because then I'm sitting there and I can go, okay, cool. I can see how this is going to play out across all the channels, and we can actually do this, and we can do that, and we can – reuse some of this content for this and maybe this is going to give us some great insight actually that we didn't know and um you know that whole side of of things.
0: and i think also think if you use the bigger influencers who's been in the game for a long time and they're proper creators and they know the space also, dr- pull them in on the planning phase because they also have amazing ideas. They know their audience is so much
1: better than Absolutely. we do. Absolutely, you know? I'm a huge fan of that. So, I mean, I, you know, when I, um, I'm much more of a creative uh, digital strategist at heart, and media yes. strategist at heart, because most of you know the field and kind of what your job description is is very like in the media world, particularly. It's so numeric. It's like, I don't, I don't even know how I ended up like working (laughs) for someone who was absolutely phobic to them. And there's that, that creative flair that just gets lost in it. And, And some people just don't bring it because it's all put into an Excel document, you know, your media plans and your reach numbers and all of that. But, when you start working and collaborating with more of the creative guys and the conceptual thinking, the more people you have in the room from different backgrounds and different spheres and different ideas, the more robust and exciting mm. the strategies become and, and ideas that come from there that get generated. And you start to see that the insights and stuff inform really awesome conceptual ideas because brands get scale. Like the same creative person and the same templates. and because of timelines and stuff, a lack of creativity happens because of yeah. the system, the, like the systematic thinking. You know, put in, mm. turn out, put in, turn out, and it's important to to have that creative direction and those creative creative inputs. And if influencers bring that to the table, it's a massive, massive what can I say? What's the term for it? I wouldn't say selling point, but uh, it's just, a, it's it's a huge addition. And I think that it would, it would end up being such a highly valued, uh, valuable co- uh, collaboration. Um, Absolutely. For both parties. The next question flows so naturally
0: from this conversation that I've been wanting to ask you. Over the last couple of years, we've seen brands using celebrities less and less in their influencer campaigns. And I think that also lends to what we spoke about just now about them kind of punting something else every different day, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think that celebrities are still relevant in certain – or do they still have their place in the influence marketing space?
1: Oh, it's a double-edged sword. I think, you know, celebrity is maybe really the term that we have – of an influencer that's gotten a TV deal and managed to go across channels, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> and that's probably by other newspapers and and whatnot, and and have a lot of those uh, media deals in place. I think that's the the celebrity. I think you know we've all been very disillusioned, especially over this last year, of what yeah. the media machine and uh, what celebrity, the construct of celebrity, is, and essentially. We all know, and especially if you're in the industry, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around the creation of celebrity. Mm. Influencers, I think, you know, they've definitely opened up a lot more diversity and uh, I would say healthy competition. Because, you know, that old era of celebrity, celebrity started also, it's almost like the monopoly of influencing. You know, it's like you wanted that name, you're going to have to pay a lot of money to get that. Correct. So it's it's kind of democratized it a bit. And, you know, you've got people who aren't your uh, Kardashians and whatnot, but they have millions of reach as well. So I think, I think, yeah, this, this whole line of celebrity, I think celebrity will be like we have this classification of nano, micro influencers and stuff. I think celebrity would just be your top tier of that influencer classification. Essentially, celebrity was, is influencers. It's a name that you associate to a brand. And if there's a partnership, they, you then reach that person's fan base. And if they say it and advocate it, therefore you are, right? It's the same yep. kind of thinking, um, just bigger reach. So they've managed to just get a deal and they've got a TV show and, they've got, and they're have in the news and they've covered a lot more and their earned media capacity is far higher mm-hmm. because they don't have to be sponsored and stuff. People just cover them for free anyway. So celebrity is when you've got that influence and it doesn't even have to be supported buy a paid campaign for your for your piece of communication to reach anywhere, it's already done because you know, you think you've got like paparazzi and all these publishers and stuff that would just want to cover you anyway.
0: Absolutely. And I agree with that. And I think I honestly think they still have their place. And like you say, for mainly reach, if that is one of your big objectives in a campaign to get organic reach, then absolutely align with the influencer that that still aligns with your brand. So it's not too far out. But you can get that huge reach easily, Dan,
1: yeah they will it, a celebrity will stay. I mean, Hollywood's too large also <laughs> to disappear overnight <laughs> you know and and human nature is that you know not everyone's work, and a lot of people just like watching mindless stuff. so people like watching people and people like watching things, and when you've got cult following. You know, it's like, look at the Kardashians. It's just, it was a visually, if you could watch the Kardashians without the volume on, without even listening to what they were saying, because you were just looking at it. It was just visually like pleasing, you know, being well-groomed mm-hmm. and how the makeup was done and all of those things. And people just like escaping. So there will always be this need to have somewhere, someone, something to watch. And and yeah, so celebrity will stay, I think, that, uh the entry into celebrity is what has opened.
0: Yes, I agree with that. There's so many people that's now deemed celebrity that's completely grown out of a platform and not television or radio and yeah. like the traditional ways. Yeah. So if celebrities offer us a huge reach, that's their main kind of role. What do you think are smaller? kind of influences like your nanos and your micros what are their roles essentially in campaigns then
2: most of you know that influential is our podcast sponsor but did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency and that is the first ever boutique agency in south africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing Anne and the team are experts in the field and they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast and also post together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month, and this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing.
1: They have a a unique voice, they have their own style, and they bring with them their unique flair. It's their personality. It's their and and you know that's that's it's that's something That's not easily translatable because you get a lot of people posting a personality, but I find that you know with your nano and your micro guys, that personality is there not because they were aiming to get it endorsed. So I think there's something that's uniquely authentic there, and you can also see you know where the ratio between their their followers and the likes on their posts consistently Mm -hmm. is a lot higher. So. Wow, yeah. it's not like you have twenty million followers and you're averaging a thousand likes on your post. You know, it's far higher, and you can see that. You can see that it's it's an actually, it's, it's a far more engaged, uh, transparent, and real profile.
0: Absolutely, and also think too that people like engaging with these these influencers because they find them so authentic and credible, but they also see them as a peer. So they seem accessible. They can chat to them. They're kind of like their online friends, right? That they trust.
1: That's it. And it's like, this is the thing is do you want to just we're moving away from it, having to be some kind of like the sponsored show and you want it to be as relatable and real and within like your little on like three degrees of separation you want it to be someone that's right there that's relatable and you know the the that word of mouth effect is still necessary and I think the nano and micro influences really do help um help that
0: absolutely and to that point word of mouth that is basically what influence marketing is based on it's just social media has made it possible to be on such a huge scale that um but it's essentially still word of mouth, which will always be the most important thing when it comes to marketing.
1: Well, that's it, right? That's that's, that's exactly it. And, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's essentially marketing is we're just amplifying like, hey, did you know this? It's identifying where there might be a need or an opportunity for your product or service to be to be adopted, used, bought consumed, you know, um, identifying a need and meeting it. Absolutely.
0: So on that note, I know earlier you spoke about, um, one of your most memorable campaigns, uh, the hashtag today campaign, Mm -hmm. I just want to explore that a little bit more, I know you were quite a big part of bringing that to life as well. What were the actual objectives of that campaign?
1: So the agency that we worked with, and uh, it's VML and uh, trending topics as well as they go by right now twice, and um, the influencer team, you know, with the social and and um, influencer teams as well that were brought on to work alongside that. The objectives really we needed to we needed to get people to commit to doing something that day. We wanted to. You know, the, the whole thing was like, if we can create a movement, how do we, how, how are we going to do that? How do we know that? One of the ways is organically, if we got everybody talking about this today, doing something today and getting people to act today. So, hence why also that, that, you know, hashtag today became yes. that. And we got to also just get behavior, action taken, an action that isn't just, oh, great, they liked my, host they engaged yeah. with ad, and so that was that was the whole objective really and and you know people did that they shared it they had pictures for i've been planning on doing this for months and taking a picture they're standing in line and they're actually doing it on that day in live time in real time people that were actioning so what happened was there was this whole sort of pledge process and you know the awareness that went up before of on this day, you've got to do it and, you know, pledge. And there was a manifesto that was beautifully written by the VML team on that as well. Uh, Michelle and Tia, who I hope are listening, and, and the rest of the team. And there was this manifesto of just, like, seizing the day and doing those things. And, yeah, and then that day happened, and people needed to commit and pull through and, and follow through. And it created that movement. So all this positive change that happened. And it was nothing to do for the brand. You didn't have to go take out an account that day. That's not what the product or they weren't pushing that. It was that we were supporting you and we wanted to see you do something for you that day. Yeah, and it's and it did. It's organic and it trended organically and there was so many thousands of pages and stuff. And for me personally as well, but you know, at the time potentially in my life where i was at during that period and that day the significance all just kind of tied in together and i guess it feels really great when you get to do work that's bigger than you yeah not just about pushing product into people absolutely at vanilla marketing you know i can't i call it vanilla marketing <laughs> it's so like cut and paste and it's so dry When I like to be involved in the things that, we know, we're helping shift behavior and change behavior for positive change, for impact, for doing things that matter, for empowering people. And and if a bank can do that, you know, there's no reason why some people go, well, that's not our brand. We can't play in that space.
0: True. But... Obviously, it was a huge success, and I remember that campaign very well. And it did give us goosebumps at the time because people's behaviors were changing. We were doing something positive for everyone. But what type of influences did you guys use to help spread that message and the communications? Like, was it macros? Was it micros? Was it yeah, was
1: a mix. There was a mix of it, um, and uh, there was a. It was. It was. A, it was a good mix of macro, micro, and then obviously one headline. I think also it leveraged off the other brand campaigns that were running, which had some of your bigger influencers as well. And a lot of smaller activators, your micro and nano influences, your smaller activators that were all kind of also feeding into this bigger, bigger plan. Because the thing is, you know, people don't follow one person, right? There's a lot of cross-pollination that happens. So I could be a follower of a massive influencer, but I'm also, you know, a follower of all the small, smaller, micro, and nano guys as well. So there's a lot of cross pollination that's occurred, that occurs as well. And I think that the the over the overarching this this mix of it was really where the magic was happening because it started activating pockets of conversation amongst different people, regardless of your size or your capacity. And that was the point is that you needed a diverse range of different kinds of Different, different people from different walks of life and different opinions, and you know how how they express themselves, what their values versus what your values could change. You know, an artist or film producer versus you know someone that's a lot more logical and linear, and is a scientist and does something else. You know, there's there's a very different. it's it was it was a good mix because doing something for yourself that day didn't need to be specific to a, a certain kind of profession or genre.
0: So would you say this mix of using different voices in different niches, obviously tapping into that intrinsic human nature, do you think that was why the campaign was such a big success?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think that you know that's something that isn't just unique to influencer marketing. Like uh, Musa Kalenga, incredible marks of our time and um, a mentor for me as well. And he always says, you know, you've got to do things that are there that are, you know, that are going to improve the human condition. So any kind of campaign and stuff, you've got, always got to ask yourself, like, what, like, you know, the premise of it, what is the, is it going to lift? Is it going to change? Is it going to empower? Like, what is it going to do? You know, there's a longer, longer term picture. And I think that, again, that mix was, important because it showed that human truth of course and it humanizes things but also at the same time diversity is everything and you know a lot of people like using that and work and, and, and you know referencing that term but you don't see it in their communication. You don't see it in in the people that they enlist in their campaigns and the influences they have on their books. We'll talk about diversity and then you know, and, and, I, and I shoot straight from the hip, you know me, but yeah. putting just the right color face and gender on a post doesn't mean you're diverse. It means that you've ticked some boxes to appear that you are, you follow in protocol. So diversity and mixing is, and that's the best part about influencer marketing is that you have access to that bouquet of so many different kinds mm-hmm. Of, um, of personalities and expertise and skills. That's
0: very true, and we should keep that in mind in everything that we do. To be very honest.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that you know the usual conversation is always just like, cool, "Well, can we afford?" It's always budgets, right? It's always the budgets. So, do you buy one big influencer, or do you go for five different nano influencers and maybe two micro influencers? That's up to the influencer strategy, I guess.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and where whether client signs off on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how have you been? How have you been finding the um, the current state of influencer marketing and in the campaigns and stuff? And obviously, with lockdown, I mean, everyone just turned to influencers as that channel because no one could really go shoot big TV commercials.
0: Hundred percent. So. It's been interesting because, in the beginning, obviously, when no one knew what was happening, everything kind of grinded to a halt because people were just waiting for something, for direction. Everything was just frozen internally everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, slowly as the weeks carried on, people started realizing wait, our audiences or our target markets are spending so much time on, on social media and online influencer marketing, let's try this thing out if we haven't before and see how that works. And to your point, it was literally, you get production done, you can't take people to a shoot, they're stuck at home. But also the flip side of that was that influencers are more relevant than ever because everyone's in the same boat. They're sitting at home making content that's really relevant. For me, that's sitting at home, trying to work from home, juggle kids, juggle a husband, or just being alone at home, you know, with those struggles. So, it's really had a good change and also impacts, especially with content becoming a lot more real instead of this polished. Mm. Um, you only share your best mm. foot or your best pictures on, say, even Instagram. People became a lot more real mm. and a lot more authentic. Conversations started flowing, and brands are really embracing that, which is amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so much needed shift.
0: Absolutely. From our conversation so far, I completely see that you, like me, believe that influencer marketing, digital marketing, traditional advertising, and everything that's under those terms kind of coexist really nicely. And it's always when people start going, Influencer marketing is killing this marketing, channel. you're like, No,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's like saying, TV killed radio. It's
1: still there. <laughs> this is um, the result of your very old, outdated thinking. That's your old school thinking, where it's like exactly. one or the other. That there's the scarcity complex. It's everything's a competition. It can't just be we can all coexist and there's enough for everybody. It's this. This yes. it must be one and it must be the other. and Who's biting into whose budget and who can get the most share of that marketing budget. And all value and all co- like collaborative, um, you know, value creation where everybody puts together kind of goes out the window because everyone's just trying to be the lion. And I think it's I think it's rubbish. I think that traditional marketing and traditional, especially South African ad agency land, uh, needs a big shakeup in that that mentality. And you know, we all coexist. It's omni-channel. Like people don't look at one channel. And there is enough for everybody. I can't stress that enough. Like there is enough for everyone. And it's it's enough this greed and this need to who gets the biggest portion of budgets and share on what platform and how much, it needs to stop. Because eventually, and the big, and, and you know, I really, really think that this whole ad agency model and that is going to get turned on its head. And it's only going to be for so long. Because diversity does not come in into controlled environments and brands are seeing this more. And the more you have of your digital, you know, your consultants, and we're all going to be able to consult and trade our services independently. Mm -hmm. And we all will be able to be pulled in. We'll become this collaborative project-to-project type-based thing. And, yes, you'll have your retainers to manage the usual kind of stuff, but also the timelines and stuff of this redundant old work way of working and where things are marked up and marked up and marked up. Um, And so, you know, you can only use certain people because they're part of this group and that group. And it's all this, this red tape and and nonsense. That's going to go out the window. It won't happen today and it won't happen tomorrow, but mark my words in a couple of time we're going to look back at this and it'll, it'll be there. And, and we need to start realizing that we actually just, we got to create value and opportunity together and we've got to share it. And the more we share it, the more we're going to open. And everything needs to work together.
0: No, absolutely. And I'm a big believer in that you should use the omni-channel and everything works together. And if you have one campaign that flows through all these channels, it is so beautifully executed. People aren't just on social media. People drive to work. They see billboards. People watch their favorite TV shows. People page through a magazine. They're online. And -hmm. if you can create one, like a message, that's differently packaged, that still speaks to your audience, mm-hmm. it works so much better.
1: Well, that's it because, you know, the actual, like, if you look at it from a consumer lens, they're not looking at an ad and going, mm, well, I see they did it on social, but I didn't really see the above-the-line placements. No one's looking at it like that. You're just walking. You you're, Your job as the marketer is to find throughout the tons of different touch points that a consumer interfaces with within a single day, find the places where you can have that conversation with them as a the brand.
0: And I think to that point, what is the rule that you people need to see your communication something like seven times before they even consider mm. purchasing your product? And you can't just do that through one post or one channel. Yeah. It needs to kind of be holistic. Yeah. I remember getting so excited at one of the first big agencies I worked for Yonks ago where we had a really big client and the agency I worked with was above the line, below the line, through the line and they literally created one office space um, where every single person who worked on that account, doesn't matter in which channel you work, whether you worked above the line or below the line. They were all in one room and they were all in the same meeting. And I just remember thinking, how amazing is that? Yeah. Everyone gets in on everything and yeah. discusses everything, and everything gets born from one place instead of me sitting in a meeting and then going to tell that person, oh, by the way, you need to do this bit. It's just so disjointed.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I've I, I worked in a similar environment as well in agency, but it was digital only. But all the digital skills that were working, because, you know, you don't just, in digital, it's not just the digital strategist. There's the, the developer, there's the UX designer, the account manager, the creative designer, the copywriter, and there's so many different parts of it. And we all got grouped together. So everyone that worked on that channel for that brand and created pieces of work that would need to be hosted on that channel worked together. And we were, we were, you know, you, you feed off each other, you learn and you start you you do the most growing because you realize that your piece of work doesn't stop with you just here and sending it off. There's a bigger, broader picture that it all fits into. And each of us are just cogs in a larger engine.
0: I just think the magic happens when you get everyone together. That's just my opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's lots of magic can happen. Lots of fireworks too. <laughs>
0: We we know that very well.
1: <laughs> well. Too many yeah, too many cooks spoil the broth.
0: Oh, oh yeah, look, I think we've all experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to influencer marketing, do you when you do influencer marketing or when you're part of those teams, do you work with agency partners to who are the specialists? Do you actually work with them to kind of refine that
1: piece of the pie yes I do. Um, on, on, on the goods on the, on the great ones yes that's what happens and the, then when you've got sort of your brands direct or direct that handle that themselves and their own teams and they kind of do that in isolation it doesn't work out so well but from experience where i've collaborated and i've been pulled in by the social and, and social and communications teams to start working on that with them, that's where the really cool stuff's happened. Absolutely. I more, more of them would work that way.
0: In your opinion, in general, I know that every campaign has kind of its own objectives and own metrics that you need to measure. But in general, when you look at campaigns, what, do you, what would you say is like the important metrics that need to be measured? So, I mean, in the media world, we're
1: always looking at reach, it's like yeah. mentally that, but the thing is, especially in the performance media side of things, there's different objectives and different KPIs in each of those. You've got your different KPIs. You've got your marketing KPIs and you've got your business KPIs. of so yeah. the three, you need to decide what's what you're going to tick off. Then that translates into the digital world and you go, great. Okay, we're going to take that. If it sells, how we then translate that into the digital world. And there's those KPIs. Based on those KPIs, you then have different objectives. There is no singular objective. So I run multi-funnel campaigns or multiple objectives. So whether it's awareness or it's your um, middle funnel consideration or you're actually just down to actual sales, your bottom funnel, Mm -hmm. there's no one or the other. We want to run multiple things because not everybody that you want to reach is going to be in that one singular state of mind. And you also kind of end up just you need to broaden your horizons and think you know someone seeing you out online they might already have been past the consideration phase and now they need to mm-hmm. actually just close it. So there's multiple KPIs and multiple objectives and each of these objectives and KPIs have different forms of measurement. There's your reach which is you know obviously important when you want to look at your awareness and how much of the market you've reached with your message. Um, but then things like there's a lot of different metrics which you piece together can tell a story and give you a better indication holistically. So, you know, there's one thing having a big reach, but if your engagement's low, it means that maybe you actually, your audience wasn't you speaking to the right people. And there's that. And then there's things like looking at, for example, people's, uh you know, time on your website after their communication and the quality of the users. Were they actually interested? Did they spend time looking? Were they actually needing to find more information? The engagement usually in the instrumental world is what the high value metric is. It's how many people engage, 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 because obviously that's that's really interesting looking right. at that word of mouth and how, what were they doing. But again, there's a grey area around engagement because what is engagement? It's so grey, it could be anything. Engagement is essentially... Any action taken, any action, whether right. that's a like, whether it's a view of the post, and I didn't even do anything, but it's not a clearly defined action like click to website, sign up, sale, purchase. You know, it's not none of that. So, I mean, it could be. It's essentially, they report on all of that as engagement as well. So, engagement is a big area. So this is quite like it's a very inflated number. So you know, there's a number of things that you have to look at overall. And again, it depends on what that objective was. Did you want to? Did you want to push sales? Was it? Was that the fundamental priority objective? if so, then where were we selling? And how do we track sales? And how did all of your pieces of communication link into tracking sales? Like. You know, you see it with influencers where they're pushing sales by, you know, using a voucher or a number or whatever, a code, and then you can purchase. And that's a way for them to try and track how they contribute to actual bottom line sales. But on the other side of things, you know, it's like, cool, engagement's there um, and it's a good indicator. But what was the action? Like, what was the outcome? What did we want the person to do at the end of it? Was it surprise and delight or was it just like, cool, see me?
0: Yeah, and I love that you say that because that all comes down to defining those objectives right from the start so that you can put things in place to measure it. Like you say, if it's sales, we need to measure um, those voucher codes and who's comes from. And even taking it a step further, if you have a couple of influences from that campaign that pushed quite a lot and that you're so impressed with, then let's onboard them for a long-term ambassador campaign, you know? Yeah. If you want to measure link clicks, make sure there's unique links that you can measure, if it is just purely reach, then that's quite easy to measure, but Mm -hmm. you have to define those so clearly so that you know what success looks like at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that, you know, also when these campaign processes involve so many people and there's always this loss in communication and not everyone's on the same page when it comes to measurement and how that looks. And I still see it today. I've got people with zero understanding of digital, let alone measurement, that are still pushing, um, and I'm I'm having to run <laughs> digital things for them. And it's like you know for a fact that whatever you're gonna say is not really being digested because um, mm-hmm. there really is no understanding. So whatever the reports come come out with, it's, 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 no one's ever still so lost. Saying you know, keeping their eyes on the North star. Like if you don't have that clear, what are we working towards? Does every single person know that and how are they checking that daily? We know what we're headed for as opposed to let's just execute on a campaign and get it live. Absolutely.
0: So then what are the steps or the processes that someone should keep in mind when they are planning and specifically an influencer marketing
1: campaign to be part of a bigger campaign? Well, it's, again, it's, it's down to what is the business goal? like What is the business want, What are we trying to do? Because essentially, all of it to ladder up and go to business. That's the whole point of marketing. Marketing is there to support business. And agencies and advertisers are there to help marketers do that. So what is the business goal? Generally, it's sales, right? But often, yep. that can't be done first if the other other pieces haven't been done properly or even started on. So no one's gonna buy anything if they don't even know who you are or where you positioned in the market. So that's when you okay great well then that's a positioning job and we need to grow market share then. So everyone needs to first understand where it is, where we're laddering up, what where we where's this all this going to? And once we have that clearly defined, you can start unpacking what that metric is for each individual channel. Because Not every channel measures the same things. Our inputs are not all the same. My inputs are not the same as your inputs. Yes, we're all doing marketing, but I work with different tools. So understanding what our inputs are and how that's going to ladder up to that one fundamental goal, that big goal, and how to actually report on it, I think is something that has to be important right from the onset. Because... Like you always have these time to time where there's ideas that get shot out and goes, okay, but guys, how does that, how do we measure that and report back on that for business? Because essentially at the end of this campaign, the marketers need to go back to business and say, this is how much you spent and this is how we see it impacting. Yeah.
0: Very, very yeah. good point you make there. It's all about that. Yeah. So how how do you foresee influencer marketing kind of evolving and working even closer together with digital marketing over the next year or two?
1: I think that you know, like I was saying, we all are individually going to eventually, at some point, and call me a futurist, but we're all going to end up being multifaceted, multi-skilled services. So. You know, you'd be able to either collaborate with influencers or not, but to have an understanding of other than just creating the content, how that fits into the overall marketing picture and business picture. I think that that needs to where it needs to evolve into that and measurement because often most of the time, and I mean, I know it because I've been the one that I'm thinking those influencer budgets and I will say that, no name um, <laughs> because you know, it wasn't well thought out because you'll get someone that quotes a post and says, cool, it's going to be 50K for this. And you go, okay, but like, I know from a performance marketing side, if I put that 50K behind a performance-based ad unit, I can tell you for percent what my return is going to be. And while it's difficult, difficult to quantify it in other terms. You need to then be able to have that discussion and say, well, I can tell you that and this is what it is. Um, and often than not... Sometimes you just get that and it's like, okay, but it's just a post. I'm not seeing, has there been any strategy? Has there been any kind of idea on how we track this? How will they be measuring their success on this? You know, just because you published it on your timeline doesn't mean your job ends there and now you've fulfilled it.
0: No, absolutely. I agree with that. And it will happen and it is happening. I think we'll just get better at it and more and more strategies will will be better. Yeah. That's just how it is. <laughs>
1: I think that it's just gotta branch out further than, than just the field that you're in, you know?
0: That is kind of our industry, right? We we kind of know more than what we in our own silos because we have to. Yeah. So Ramisa, we're coming to the end of our chat and it's been so lovely and so insightful. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Where can our listeners connect with you online if they want to find out more
1: about you and what you get up to? They can Get my um website which is Ramiza, Abdul dot Z A. R A M I Z A. A B D Double You can also reach me on Instagram, the gram. I've actually I've actually uh, got my personal Instagram now. I've decided to divide the two and I've got my um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so this, my, my personal Instagram, which is Ramiza underscore Abdul. And then I've got my digital media specialist, so it's at Digital media specialist um on Instagram as well and um that's my my more professional consulting space of conversation.
0: amazing, yeah, so that's the end of it. so hopefully yeah, we can yeah, get you yeah. back in the future. it's I been know. a huge pleasure. We've had a good conversation, so um yeah guys get in touch with the. A- Follow her, see what she's up to, pick her brain. She's always up for that. I'm
1: always up for that and lending my voice to, to where change needs to happen.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you, Ramiza, and you have a fantastic afternoon.
1: You too, and thank you so much, and we'll chat soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.